You are listening to the Remote Local Podcast. Learn the best tips to build a local business you can run from anywhere in the world and get the financial and location freedom you desire. Welcome to the show. Hello, podcast listeners. You're here for another episode of the Remote Local Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Porek, with my co-host, David. Hey, everyone. David, what's going on, dude? How are you? I am doing well. I had a little bit of a COVID scare in my community the last few days. Um, a couple of my housemates in, in Boulder are positive for COVID. Thankfully, they seem to be okay. Um, but yeah, I kind of ran away to live with my girlfriend in the mountains and just have been getting a bunch of tests over the last week and everything is negative. So, uh, feeling a huge relief. Jeez, man. Uh, we have an episode which released, which we're talking wonders about co-living places and why you should definitely be part of a community. I guess one (laughs) downside we never mentioned, you might get the Rona. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Neil? How are you? Uh, all good. I'm going to be going to... Europe, working remotely and vacation, I guess, there for a while. So let's see if they let us in. But um, just going to be back on, on on the travel grind. So excited about that. Beautiful. I'm, cool. I'm also going to be joining you on the road and going to Israel um, in a couple of weeks or so. Oh, cool. How long are you going to be there? About three weeks. It's good. Just working remotely from there? Yep. Good stuff, man. The remote local lifestyle. Hey, there we go in action. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely. So, so what are we going to talk about today, Neil? So, David, I had a thought to talk about. Um, right now, we're setting up a new franchise location in Myrtle Beach, and uh, part of the process, and you went through this, David, uh, is figuring out your local competition. How good is your local competition? Do they know what they're doing? How much is it going to cost to compete against them? Is it a good market to get into? So, today's episode is going to be around how to analyze local competition in your market to see if you have a viable business or not and how much the competition is going to be to compete against. Beautiful. Yeah. So I guess for anyone listening, um, if you have, if you're thinking about opening up your own local business in a market, if you are thinking about acquiring a business in a market, or you just want to know if that geography or market you're in is a good market, this is the perfect episode for you because I'm literally going to talk about how we analyze it from a franchise perspective. And David, who has businesses in multiple markets, is going to analyze it as well. So David, maybe I could start off with asking you, you've acquired businesses in multiple markets. Have you done much of a market analysis before you acquire them? Or how do you think about this? Yeah, so I think it's a really important thing to do. And the, the big question we're trying to answer when you enter a new market, whether you're starting a business or buying a business, is what are my odds to lead the market mm-hmm. and get enough jobs coming in? And how hard is it going to be? Okay. And, how do you... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, and based off of these answers, you can see how attractive the, the business is. So when you look at a market, are you mainly looking at like the population? Like what metrics are you looking at? Yeah, so population is a great place to start because for service businesses, uh, you can be pretty certain that if the population is high, there's going to be a lot more demand. If the population is low, there's going to be relatively low demand. And then you can have kind of sweet spots where it's relatively big and there aren't a lot of competitors. 
So that would be in terms of just market size, thinking about tier yes. one, tier two, tier three markets. And uh, the definition of that tier one markets, think LA, uh, Chicago, I believe, New York, San Francisco, Miami. These are like mega cities. That's a tier one market. Mm-hmm. Tier two is probably like, is Denver a tier two, David? I know it's grown quite a lot. Is that considered a tier two market? Uh, I would imagine between tier two and tier one. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I think Austin is the same between tier one and tier two um, as well. But there's other markets like, you know, I think Omaha, uh, as much as we like <laughs> to just throw that out there as a place that no one goes to, it's pretty big. So I'd say a population uh-huh. of around like 2 million or so, give or take a couple million, I guess, uh, is probably what I'd call a tier two market. Yeah. So maybe other places would be like Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. And now let's talk about tier three markets. What's a tier three market? So this is new to me thinking about as tiers but what comes for me here is maybe like a city that's you know less less than five hundred thousand people like between a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand yep yeah i believe tier three like real estate terms is markets which are pretty undeveloped real estate markets so you tap tier that's like in real estate you're taking a bet on a tier three market saying hopefully they're going to develop so correct under five hundred thousand at least in terms of business is kind of what I would think about for the population size as a tier mm-hmm. three market. So mm-hmm. do you, uh, David, going back to the question, do you think about the tier of the market or the size of the market when you're deciding, is this a good city to be in? Yes. And at least from my experience, if you can choose anywhere, it seems like some of the best places are these sweet spots where mm-hmm. there are at least a few hundred thousand people there but not the mega cities or the really big cities where you have a ton of competition. Cause then you kind of hit the sweet spot where there are enough jobs coming in. And if you lead the market, your business is going to be very successful and the level of the competition many times is not going to be very advanced because there aren't so many <clears throat> players in the market. A hundred percent agree with that. So if you think about, um, the markets to go into, uh, if someone says, Hey, I want to start a cleaning company in New York, I would, to be honest, advise against it unless they have a lot of cash to spend on marketing or it's a very niche service. The reason is even ranking on SEO in these markets is going to cost you so much, take so much time. Um, you know, I think the upside of potential is higher because if you rank first in New York for SEO, you're getting all the traffic, right? And there's tons of traffic for that in New York, for example. Um, but the reality of what we've talked about on this show with local services is you typically don't need a large percent of your market to make a lot of money. Right, typically less than one percent mm-hmm. of your market should be able to yield you a very good return for your time and dollars. So why do you have to compete against the big guys? Um, I hundred percent agree. I'd see the sweet spot is a uh, tier two, maybe tier one B. I guess like uh, we talked about, like the Austin type areas, even though that might be a little bit tougher. But the tier two markets, in my opinion, like those, that's the sweet spot. That's where you want to be because likely local competition does not know what they're doing. You can outrank them quicker, meaning quicker yields, and you don't have to spread your marketing dollars so thin. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So uh, agreed on that. And then there comes the layer of what level is the competition when it comes to marketing. So Mm -hmm. that's also really helpful to evaluate. So what do you look at, Neil, when when you examine that? So first thing, let's say... um, you know, we force all the franchises to go through this, but uh, first thing you go to market, you say, okay, let, let me Google who are the top 10 competitors in the market. And they're going to fill out a sheet. And the main things they look for is, okay, what is the quality of their website? Um, you you literally, so first analyze the website, which is going to be like website speed. What does the website look like? Is there a call to action on the website? 
um, the ease of navigating the website, you'll, it'll be very quick to know like, okay, this is a GoDaddy old school, unprofessional website. And there's so many of them, right? So you'll very know, you know, rather quickly, the top people who are ranked on Google, what are their websites like? So I'm looking at the map, like the map pack, Google, Google My Business map pack for let's say cleaning services, as well as the normal organic rankings in Google to see who the top spots are and what their website looks mm -hmm. like. Um, so that's number one I look for on just the outside for the website. The next step would be you call them. Uh, and uh, A big competitive advantage for cleaning companies or starting cleaning companies, if you pick up the phone, this is a competitive advantage. <laughs> right? So you, yeah. call, you, call, you call them, see how they answer and how they pick up and what the service is like. That's number one, step one Th to analyze. This is, and this is such a big point because unlike what you might expect, so many companies just don't answer the phone. And then from the ones who do answer the phone, some are like, yeah, you hear like a bunch of noises in the background and, you know, versus like made this, how can I help you? Exactly. Exactly. Now I will say, if you go to a place like New York and you call all the top people who are ranked on Google, they know what they're doing. They're going to pick up the phone. It's going to be very professional and good. That's why we say, Hey, look, these two tier two markets where you're going to have a couple of those guys, but not 10 of those guys. That's where you want to play. Uh, the What I love to see, David, is I love to see if there's companies ranked on Google who have a crappy website. Because mm -hmm. that means it's going to be easy to beat them. right? They have, they have, they have a crappy website. It's not optimized. There's no call to action. Uh, and they're ranked on Google for the main keyword of like cleaner in X city. That's, that's gold. Um, and if I know there's enough households in that market, for example, it's a tier two market, then that's even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So the, the next thing also to look at while you're going through this process is also how many reviews do they have? Mm -hmm. And what you're going to find is that in markets that are not very competitive, there normally hasn't been uh, a big drive for companies to invest in getting reviews versus in, in uh, markets that are very competitive. There is a big war that includes reviews and you have companies with thousands of reviews versus in smaller markets, a handful of reviews, tens of reviews. And that also should give you a pretty good idea of what effort is going to be involved in order to um, beat them in reviews. David, from an acquisition perspective, how much do you look at the company's online reviews for what you're doing? Um, so, so it depends. What I like to see is that there is something established so, for example, with locksmith companies, I wanted to see at least something like 100 plus reviews mm -hmm. for the company, um, especially like these days, Yelp reviews are really hard to come by. Yep. So one of the companies we, we acquired had like 120 good Yelp reviews. So that to me was very valuable. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I think... Um... Having, I'll talk from an acquisition perspective, or I guess even a competitor perspective, but um, from the acquisition perspective, you could buy a company and they have a Google My Business and a Yelp profile active, especially Google My Business, which is verified. You need a postcard to verify it. That's valuable. It's very valuable because a lot of people who don't know what they're doing in marketing, they're not going to get a verified Google listing. Um, so that's actually super valuable to acquire. Uh, one thing I will say is with the concept of Yelp, um, so Google is king, no matter where you go. You look for Google reviews, you see how many Google reviews they have. And uh, just to stay on the topic of reviews real quick, if I go, if I'm looking at a market and the top five competitors all have like 500 plus reviews on Google, that's going to be tough. 
right? Because they're going to get 90% of the traffic from Google. Um, so that's hard to beat. But if you go to market and there's one guy with 100 reviews, another guy with like 50 reviews, another guy with 10 reviews, I like that, right? Because I don't, you know, maybe there's one big guy who has 100 plus reviews, but it's not an overwhelming amount of competition. So Google reviews is number one that I would look at. And I definitely agree with David. Uh, with Yelp reviews, it is actually market by market, David. I think on the West Coast and like the Western side of the US, Yelp is bigger. Places mm-hmm. like Myrtle Beach, other places on the East Coast, they don't really use Yelp at all. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to still list because what happens is there's people who move to those places who are used to using Yelp. So might as well get yourself listed, get a handful of reviews, and you're good. But after Google, then you have to go very city by city dependent. What is the platform other people use secondary to Google for online reviews? Is it Andrew's mm-hmm. list that they use in the market mostly? Is it Yelp? Is it something else? That'd be another question to ask as you look at reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dovey, do you think this is service specific? Meaning we are talking what we know based off cleaning locks for the companies. Uh, but let's say you have another local business you're analyzing. Does what we say still hold true? Um, yeah, I do think there is some service-specific aspects. So, for example, um, if you are a, I don't know, like a concrete company mm-hmm. or something like that, then many times the amount of information you're going to be able to glean from just online is going to be a little bit different because perhaps they don't have a lot of business-to-customer activity. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe there having 30 reviews is actually huge because every job can be, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars yep. and you only get, I don't know, 30 jobs a year. Whereas with cleaning, it, companies could have thousands of jobs per year. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's another thing to think about. But I would say generally for home service companies, if that's the type of local service you're having, what we're saying is mostly universal, especially as it relates to Google. Um you have to think, where is my target audience looking? And then you look at your competition on those platforms. For example, if you're a restaurant, your target audience is probably looking on Yelp. Go look at your competition on Yelp in your locality and see how you're ranking and what other people are ranking at. Uh, so I would say Google no matter what, and then just, to, just think about your market and where they're hanging out and go look at that. Beautiful. So Neil, to kind of summarize, what are the top like three things to look at and how do you make a decision off of that? Yep. So number one would be, uh, I'd say the the demographic data or like, you know, the population households of that city, just to see if it's in line. It's not a mega city. It's not too small. Once I know, let's say it's a 2 million sized city. Next, I'm typing in the major keywords into Google. Let's say for cleaning, cleaning San Antonio, for example, housekeeping San Antonio, a variety of multiple keywords. I'm looking at who ranks on the map. I'm looking at who ranks on organic, checking out their websites, seeing how they are, seeing if any have a really crappy website who are ranking for high value keywords. Uh, Next, I'm looking at the number of reviews on multiple platforms. Main main one is Google. Uh, But after that, whatever platform is most relevant for that city. Those to be the top three. A couple other ones I will mention, David, is looking at the reviews on quoting engines. Um, an example would be Los Angeles. Angeles list is not that big yet. Um, people use it, but you know it's not really there. I've heard places in Chicago, for example, Angie's list is huge, right? So you also want to see, fine, hey, if people don't use Yelp here, and maybe Google, there's tons of competition. 
let's take a look at Angie's list. Let's see how many people are on there. And you know, you could call these companies. They're going to give you data. Yeah, you call Angie's list and say, hey, how many people are searching for these services in this area? They know because they're trying to sell you. So you can get a lot of data from them and you could see where people are ranked in Angie's list. How many reviews do they have? Is that a platform you could beat people on? Um, so that's kind of, I'd say like not even not a top thing I look at, but one of the things I look at is what are the other places outside of Google where I could easily rank for and is it saturated or not? Beautiful. Yeah. And then based off of the feeling that you get from looking at all of these things, you should be able to get a good idea. Um, is the volume there? And then what is the level of competition? And will I be able to relatively easily compete? So again, the idea is like if they have amazing websites and hundreds and thousands of reviews and everybody is like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, they answer the phone really <clears throat> professionally, then that sounds like a much harder market to get into versus the the sizes there but their websites don't look so good they don't have a lot of google reviews half of the companies don't answer the phones or answer them unprofessionally those are great signs because we're going to come in there and have a level websites a level marketing and a level service exactly and that is also um very specific why you need to know the demographic data and what tier city it is, right? Because everything you said could hold true, but all of a sudden you're in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Of course, no one has a good website. Of course, no one picks up the phone, but you're in a terrible city. So all of these hold true. So you also need to make sure you marry that with a place which has demand, which has a wealthy population, uh, which has enough people to be to, to cater to the type of service you're providing. So that is one of the key aspects is make sure you're in a city from just a litmus test. This makes sense. Um, the cool part about, I would say, about local services in general is, for the most part, these are not new concepts. Cleaning's been around forever. Locksmith's been around forever. Uh, so therefore, you know competition already exists in these markets. I think if you're doing this analysis and you're trying to bring something brand new to the market, I don't know if it's going to hold as true because there's not a direct competition that you could compare yourself to. So keep that in mind. If you're trying something completely novel, I'm not convinced all of this would hold up. Some of it will. You just, of course, you mm-hmm. need demographic data. Of course, you look at some loose Google reviews of what people are typing in, but it's going to be a little bit different. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, with that, David, uh, any final thoughts on how people should analyze competition? Anything we missed, or did we pretty much make everyone experts already? <laughs> yeah, I think they're pretty much experts. Um, I, I love the last point that you mentioned because you definitely want to take a look at some more quantitative information to help you backtest the more qualitative parts, which, Mm -hmm. oh, I think that the competition here isn't big. I think the websites aren't great. I think I can beat them. And that's great, even if you can do it. But then how many jobs are you going to get um, (laughs) from being number one? Yep. And if the market is not there, if the market is not good, then even beating the competition is not going to help you. Exactly. Good stuff. Well, for everyone listening, uh, if you were considering opening up your own local business, considering acquiring a business, I hope you learned a lot about how to actually analyze competition, how to analyze whether you're going to beat people quickly or not. Um, So thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Remote Local Podcast. Thank you guys. See ya. 
Thanks again for listening, guys. There are two ways I could help you out. Number one is with May This Franchise. If you want to get into business but don't want to go at it alone, we have you covered with everything from A to Z. Check out madethisfranchise.com to start your own remote local business. The next is with the Remote Local Blueprint, which is a course I launched to teach you the foundations of starting your own remote local business in any niche. It's do-it-yourself at your own pace, and you can check that out at blueprint.beremotelocal.com.